Yeah, this theme has been just having its way with us, hasn't it? Holy moly, you know, all the way back to last year when, um, you know, you, you find out what the themes are for the upcoming year, and I got all the way to October, and then I went, playing with paradox, uh, heck does that mean, you know, <laughs> playing with paradox, what am I supposed to do with that? And actually, it's been having its way with me, <laughs> this whole, I mean, even when I chose the, the themes, I mean, the, the talk titles, I chose those last year too, and it's just... You know, it's been, if it were me, I'd have changed the theme for the month to wrestling with paradox, because it really has not been playful at all, and I'm not playing, just not playing. Anyway, there are a load of them. There is a load of, of paradox. You know, the more I got into it, the more I started studying it, reading about it, the more I kept identifying all around us, right? I kept looking at it. Oh, this is a paradox. Oh, that's a paradox. I had a whole other talk. I had a whole other talk written that I had to tear up and throw away because I went down the rabbit hole with it, and you don't even want to go there. So don't Google it. Whatever you do, don't Google paradox of our age. <laughs> so we are in October, and we are playing with paradox, ha-ha. There are a load of them. Life is filled with paradoxes, situations or ideas that appear to be contradictory or self-defeating, but may hold deeper truths or complexities. And so I've gathered together a bunch to talk about, but I don't know, I really haven't come to they hold deeper truths. I don't know. Truths for me are these eternal things. And when I think about paradoxes, I think more of observation than truths, but let's, let's just dive into it. <laughs> Speaking of choice, this is the paradox of choice. That having too many choices can lead to anxiety and unhappiness. Yet, having too few choices can feel limiting and unsatisfying. Have you ever been there? I remember when I was, uh, when the kids were little, and I would get the clothes out, and they always said in the parenting classes, you know, give your child a choice, because it empowers them to make choices for their lives, but make sure it's a limited choice. So I'd get into the closet and, like, hold two shirts up. Okay, honey, which one you want to wear today? This one or that one, right? This is limited choices. And it worked really, really well with the boys, and not at all with my daughter, <laughs> who would walk right past me and go into the closet and go, no, this one. <laughs> Okay, fine, right? But, but you see the, the paradox of choice. If we don't have a choice, if we have a choice of one, it is frustrating and limiting. We have to strike a balance. And I think really that's what paradox is all about. It may not even be about this good, this bad, right? But about where do we strike a balance between them? The paradox of control, here's another one. The more we try to control every aspect of our lives, the less control we often seem to have. Sometimes letting go of control can lead to a sense of freedom. Ah, and haven't you felt that too, right? You just take your hands off something and it's like, I'm not in control of this thing. Now we can, that doesn't mean we don't prepare, right? When you have a big event coming up or you have something happening, you do every single thing that you can do to make it turn out right. Whether it's a dinner party or a party or a trip or whatever, you, you, you lay it all out, you do all your work, but then when it starts to happen, right, you just, you just release it. It's like, here it is. It's going to be what it is. Ah, well, some of us do. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good thing to do that, just to release it and go, you know, it's unfolding right now. There's nothing I can do about it. So let go of that control that you had in the preparation when the event starts to unfold. Another one is that paradox of, of success and happiness. 
and a lot of us know this one from work. Pursuing success sometimes can lead to a lack of happiness if it is not aligned with our values or if we have to sacrifice too much of our values for it. Conversely, focusing on happiness can lead to success, perhaps, as a byproduct, right? I know in, in um, what is the name of that course? Uh, Principles of Financial Freedom. They will say, you don't chase money, you do what you love, and then the money chases you, right? But sometimes it doesn't catch up with you. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes you can do what you love, but that's not your source of income. I mean, and that happens as well. So, so the idea is that it's, yeah, it's not all about pursuing success. The paradox of vulnerability. Now, this is one Brene Brown writes about extensively, right? Being open and vulnerable with others can lead to a deeper sense of connection and trust, even though it feels very, very risky. And that's what we do. We put ourselves out there, don't we? Here I am, you know, the authentic me. That's a vulnerable place to put ourselves. And yet, that's where we, we develop some of our deepest connections and relationships when we're being honest and open about who we are. And here's one I know we wrestle with all the time. It's a paradox of time. Often we feel we have too little time to do everything we want, yet we also waste time on unimportant things. Anybody? Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, television, right? Movies. I watch TV so you don't have to, you know, that sort of thing. It's like that, right? We, we tend to, you know, well, but again, it's striking a balance, isn't it? It's all about striking a balance. The paradox of wealth and happiness. Now, this is an interesting one because it says beyond a certain point, Increased wealth does not necessarily lead to increased happiness. Yet, poverty and financial insecurity can certainly lead to unhappiness. Again, we have to strike a balance. You know, Maslow's uh, uh, hierarchy, right, of needs. When the, when the primary needs are met, when food and shelter and, and sleep and income, right, all those resources are met, yeah. Do we get extra happy with more money? I don't know. This is, this is again, striking a balance. The paradox of change and stability. This is my favorite one because I tend to be a homing pigeon. I don't know if anybody knew this about me, but it's like I find a restaurant I like, I'll just keep going back to it. I'll just keep going back to it. I'll just keep going back to it. <laughs> John knows. <laughs> this is what I do, right? So anyway, so it says um, change and stability. We crave change and novelty, yet we find comfort and security in stability and routine. You know, it's again, you can go to the same place forever and always if that's really what you like, but sometimes it does. Sometimes you just need to get out there and like, oh, let's do this. Let's do something new. We need to try new things, to experiment, to really, really broaden our horizons. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Think about that. When was the last time you did something for the first time? It could be a while. So it's about opening ourselves up to newness and also keeping some stability. Again, it goes back to balance. I think for me, all of these things go back to balance. This is the paradox of wisdom and ignorance. The more we learn to acquire knowledge, the more we realize how much we do not know, leading to a sense of intellectual humility. I love that, right? The more we know, the more we know, the less we know. 
just love these things. The paradox of mortality and meaning. The awareness of our own mortality can be a source of existential dread, but it can also inspire us to seek meaningful and purpose in life. Right? We do things with the time we have to make sure we're making positive contributions to ourselves, to our community, to our family. And then the paradox of love and loss. Loving deeply opens us up to the possibility of loss and heartache, yet it is often through loss that we learn the true value of love. The paradox of independence and interdependence. We need independence to develop our identities, but we also need interdependence with others for support and connection. And we do this every day of our lives, don't we? I mean, we're not pulling the gas out of the ground to, you know, fill our cars. We're not growing vegetables in the backyard. We are always interdependent on groceries, on dry cleaners, on gas stations. We're not here all by ourselves. We are totally interdependent. And then the last one I want to talk about is the paradox of simplicity and complexity. Sometimes the simplest solutions are always the most effective, but sometimes life's problems are often complex and multifaceted, right? I go back to Occam's razor, right? When you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. You know, sometimes the answer is just the most simplistic, but, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole too. I'm not going there now. The paradoxes of our lives, and those are just a few. I mean, I could keep going. This week, we could make this a week's talk. But the paradoxes highlight this contradictory nature of humans, both are right, both and, right? The, this is the, the nature of the human experience. It reminds us that, that these observations are often found in the tension between these two opposing ideas and experiences. And there is a tension there, and we have to find that comfort zone between these two things. Ernest Holmes, in Living Without Fear, he said this. He said, the riddle of the universe is a paradox. The question is its own answer. For the mind that asks the question is also the mind that answers it. Now, we could sit and contemplate that one for a week as well. <laughs> Let's just go into prayer, and we will just sit and contemplate that for a week. Because our mind is immersed in universal intelligence. It is. There's only one mind. There's only one life. There's only one energy, right? So the mind that thinks up the question, my, my little mind that thinks up that question, is immersed in universal intelligence, which is the mind of God, where all the answers are. <sighs> so we have to find our own balance within our own minds. I think all of this discussion about paradox is about finding balance within our own lives, reconnecting with our own values, fostering genuine human connections, about prioritizing love and happiness and understanding over material possessions and superficial accomplishments that really are meaningless in this big picture. Paradox serves as a reminder To, to take a breath, to pause and reflect on the direction our lives are taking and where we are in that. I think it encourages us to seek a more balanced existence in the world, 
a more meaningful existence in the world. And in a world that sometimes looks like it's valuing the wrong things, right? Remember the, the bumper stick, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that, right? It's like, it seems like we were off track here. You know, while the challenges and the contradictions of our time of now are undeniable, it's up to each one of us to work toward this harmonious and fulfilling way of life. You know, the paradox brings that up for us, right? It can seem dualistic when we look at paradox, this or that, what to do, which way to go. I think Dorothy on the on the road, right? This way or that way. We are steeped in duality, and paradox brings it up, right? Paradox shows it to us, but we are steeped in a duality that does not exist. It does not exist, this good or evil. There is no such thing. There's polarity, not duality. We talked about that, um, the, all the qualities of God, all of those qualities of God existing on a continuum. God is love. God is the love to which there is no opposite. So there is no such thing as hate. There is love existing on a continuum. It is a sing singular quality, and we can experience as much or as little of it as we can develop and believe in and embody and demonstrate through us but it's only one thing. It's only love. In Ernest Holmes said in the, uh, in actually the extension course, he said, evil is merely the result of our confused thought and is never a thing in itself. Hence, we discover this paradox that the very fear of evil creates its own experience, while faith in good is enduring. Truth always neutralizes fear and dissolves the evil experience. So when we resonate in those qualities of God, the truth of God is love, there is no such thing as evil. It's just the smallest amount of love that somebody is, is willing to demonstrate. I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, we, I think it might have been Emma, we will continue to see what we believe the world to be. Right? I think that was Emma, wasn't it? Yeah. We will continue to see what we insist the world is, right? So if, uh, and I know Wen Dyer said, if we, you know, some people who live in a, you know, who think the world is good live in a good world. Some people who think the world is evil live in an evil world. It's the same world, right? It's, it's we who, who make that difference. And sometimes in paradox, well, sometimes when we look at paradox, it's not a, even, a, it's not even a, a, a good evil thing, right? Sometimes it's not a clear uh, good-bad dynamic, but it's about our choice. Which, which way do we want to go? We're, we're, both may be okay, but we want to maybe prefer one over the other. And we have to choose. But when we choose, we have to make the choice right. And that's something we do in our own minds, right? Because have you ever made a choice and then you're like, oh, I should have, would have, could have, I should have. You know, your second thought, the second thoughts, you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt the decision you've made. Oh, I should have gone that way instead of this way. And it's like, no, make the decision and make the decision correct. Just let it be what it was. Or we decide both and. Both and. I love that. That's us. We strike a balance. Just like, the, just like the paradox of time, right? We can schedule goofing off time. Who, does, who schedules goofing off time for themselves, right? You absolutely have to do it. And then you balance it with productive time. So we get to have both and, right? 
We get to have both ends. It's not good versus bad. It's where we decide, where we balance our lives. <sighs> what, we, what we do when considering paradox in our lives is we discover the contradictory nature of, of our own lives, really. Too much of one thing could mean too little of another. We're out of balance. That's really what it comes down to. We're experiencing too much negativity. Anybody ever get those, like everything goes wrong in bunches? <laughs> I have that, right? Just things just go wrong in bunches. We begin to experience too much negativity. We can be sure we're holding negative thoughts, right? Because the universe can only respond to us. That's all it can do. So when stuff keeps going haywire, what was the word could we use this morning? Kerfuffle? <laughs> when things start going haywire, we know we're thinking haywire thoughts, right? Life responds to us. In the, <clears throat> excuse me, in using the science of mind, Ernest Holmes said, we do know that one kind of thought can neutralize another. We know this. This is our practice. It is very important. Otherwise, if we were full of negative thoughts and they were attracting negative conditions, and if we couldn't change them, we would be caught in a trap. And the universe cannot be caught in a trap. God cannot trap itself. Anyway, one kind of thought can and will replace another. And he goes on to say, back then, the two laboratories uh, one in Duke University and one in Redlands, were doing experiments on this. And he said the results indicated that affirmative prayer neutralizes previous negative prayer. And I thought that was fascinating. This was back in the 40s. Anyway, he said this scientific demonstrations indicate no matter how much anyone has failed, he can affirm success. And it's true. And it changes. Because why? Because we know, right? Principle is not bound by precedent. Doesn't matter how much negative we thought, we can change it. So this is a cautionary tale for us to think about, right? When we, when we think about what we're going to decide to do, we can go this way, we can go that way, right? This is why Ernest Holmes said, our philosophy has to be open at the top for further revelation. I love that. For further truth. We are, we are available to new insights, to new revelations of truth. We are not bound by uh, our teaching. Oh, Ernest Holmes said this. He said, when Jesus appeared to have known this, because he said he went and he found his followers as among the lawyers and the prostitutes and the fishermen and the tax collectors, because he said the priests could not free themselves from their old static thought patterns. So they had to be other people. They couldn't be people of religion because they were stuck in their belief system and they couldn't, uh, wouldn't allow anything else to come in. So when we have a new thought, it changes the flow of energy. It changes the pathway of our neurons. It absolutely creates new neural pathways in our brain. These paradoxes of our age ask us to define our lives in terms of what is best for us. Going back to this or that. What shall I do? Which way to go? And answering those paradoxes, I think, awakens us to our own higher good. When we steep ourselves in that and we ask those questions, it's who do I want to be? Right? Does, this, does this situation serve me? 
Does it serve the me that I am today? Am I better off with this particular answer? Is it an either or? Is it a both and? Ernest Holmes said this. He said, it seems a paradox that the conscious side of mind can utilize a power and an intelligence greater than itself, which power and intelligence neither knows that it is power nor that it is intelligence. And yet, are we not constantly using these powers? And I think really that's, that's what we're talking about here. When we weigh these things, when we, when we are awake and aware to these paradoxes of life and they're all around you, just go out this week and just go look around and it's like, oh my God, that is and that is and that is, all of it is. Really, the paradoxes of life can be used as another spiritual tool in our tool belt. These paradoxes highlight the contradictory nature of the human existence and they remind us that nature's life's truths are found in the tension between the opposing ideas and the experiences that we have because of them. So it's another call to awaken, really. Looking at these paradoxes in our lives is a call for us to awaken and live that illumined life. Because isn't that the path we're on? I mean, that's what we're here to do, live the illumined life. So go out, find as many as you can. Change your thinking, change your life. Thank you. Thank you for listening. At Vision, a center for spiritual living, we transform lives through practical spirituality. Please donate to Vision by visiting our website, visioncsl.org, or text to 619-505-3359.